Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of Slotkin and Fisher at the Theater. I'm your host, Tom McGee. As always with me are Lynn and Steve. Uh, Steve is calling in via Skype, so I apologize for any audio issues. I'm going to start our episode off today with a discussion of The Overcoat. So, Lynn, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Overcoat and your thoughts? Sure. I'll, I'll introduce The Overcoat. It's um, This was originally done at Canadian Stage in about 2000, then they revived it. 2007, and it was then a mime dance piece that had been written by Morris Panich, and he also uh, directed it. And this time, it's um, it's an opera with him doing the lyrics and the and the book, and uh, James Rolfe doing the score, and um, Wendy Goring doing the movement as she did before. It is about a man named Akaki who was a lowly bookkeeper and was diligent and hardworking and, and put upon and lonely and everybody made fun of him mainly because of his lousy overcoat which was shabby and holy and he because he worked so hard his boss gave him a bonus and then he went and bought, went and paid for an overcoat to be made, and it changed his life. Sometimes for the better, sometimes not. But it 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 poses interesting questions. I I loved it. Uh, opera is not my forte, um, but I loved the precision of it. I loved that Morris Panitch did the did the did the libretto, and it's almost pristine, like numbers are. You you know they are precise. They talked about uh, Akaki's life and how he loved numbers, and they were repetitive. Uh, the 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 lyrics were repetitive, and I thought it worked because numbers constantly are repetitive. I loved the clarity of it. I loved how, how it worked out properly. I, I, I'm not going to comment on the singing. It all sounds wonderful to me. Uh, Jeffrey Surrett played Akaki, and he's noble. He's courtly. He's, uh, he's tall. He's strapping. And there's an elegance to him that, that I just I thought that was... All right. And uh, Steve, what did you think? Oh, oh well, uh, so as operas go, this is, this is not high opera. Uh, I would say this is right on the line between operetta and light opera. Uh, it's it's comedic because it's Morris Panitch. Uh, he gets a chance to get a few uh, jokes in there with the book that uh, might not have that I can't recall from the previous iteration of the Overcoat. So it, it's fun there. It's fine there, and and also the running time. This is not a uh, three hour show. I believe it clocked in at about ninety five minutes. Lynn, uh, does I that seem about right to you? No, I think about two, something like two, two hours that's with, with an inch. With, with an a act. generous intermission. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a fun experience. It's an interesting new uh, uh, iteration of this uh, uh, ca- originally Canadian work that has uh, traveled the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, absolutely, I liked it, too. Great. Uh, I, and, and I don't disagree with any particular points of Lynn's. I'm sorry, we'll have to do better. So that is The Overcoat. Next up, we'll be talking about Mixie and the Half-Breeds. Uh, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about the show and your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So Mixie and the Half-Breeds by Fujian Theatre, uh, it is a, 
this show has been worked on for a number of years. It's by Julie Tomiko Manning and Adrian Wong. They originally played the two uh, lead characters in the show's title uh, themselves. The show has now been recast uh, with uh, Zoe Doyle as Mixie and Vanessa Trenton as Trixie. And uh, the show was it was a very personal assemblage uh, by the two playwrights originally about their uh, particular heritage and the, the conflicts arising because of that. Uh, it's been reworked slightly to uh, acknowledge the new... Uh, uh, mixed heritage uh, uh, ethnicities of the, the two lead actors. And it's it's very clever. It has a lot of different things to say about people who are, are torn between uh, two different heritages and uh, which one they uh, hew to a little more closer or identify more with. And uh, it's also uh, greatly enhanced by the addition of uh, a chorus, a chorus of mute, uh, blonde-wigged uh, women uh, who are uh, sort of portraying the uh, the mix that so many uh, of the the half breeds in the title? Uh, which uh, there's a very interesting question during the show about whether or not people are offended by uh, that slang, uh, whether they, uh, they they feel whole. Um, so I I enjoyed it. Uh, it certainly is. It speaks to people who have who uh, can identify with a number of the things mentioned. Uh, in the show, and there was one particular sequence about the Canadian national anthem. I have to confess that I've never listened to a literal translation of the French version of the anthem. It is very different. So even if that is the mix in your heritage, uh, this show, yeah, it had a lot to say to uh, the audience that I was with. Okay, and Lynn, what did you think? I hated every single second of this show to the point that... <laughs> Uh, that to the point that I I just could not review it because and I told this to the publicist I said these are young playwrights I'm not going to do anybody any favors by saying that it's witless that having each each one of these women followed around by a blonde bimbo uh, is not my idea of of cutting edge theater in which somebody can't come is not coming to grips with the fact that they are mixed race. Uh, that they are biracial, and that their um, their idea of perfection is a witless, stupid blonde. That plays on a stereotype of blondes, which I found offensive. And at the end, the two characters, the two actors, gave some of the most genuine conversation about mixed uh, being a mixed race when they were uh, giving a whole list of people, famous people, who were of mixed race, as if that's going to give them credibility or acceptance. I found everything about this facile, witless, uh, simplistic. I didn't, I didn't hear a genuine argument about how they feel about this problem, what they've had to endure about this, about this situation. I hated every part of it. And audience participation, who wants a piece of licorice? Licorice was symbolic of if you're half, if you're half breed, terrible word, you get half a piece of red licorice. And, and uh, going through, going, talking to the, uh, the audience, which ones of these words are offensive? They're all offensive. I don't need audience participation with that. I just hated it. The set was too complicated, moving and, sh- and, and, and shifting blocks around. Enough. 
badly directed. Everything about this offended me. And Steve, your rebuttal? <laughs> well, okay, so the blondes are their externalizations of the conflict that these women feel with their mixed rage. Uh, race heritages. How? So I, I was, was, I totally, okay, I was into that. Uh, how? How? Yeah. Because of the pressure that they have to conform to the, uh, the, the culture that they're currently in, that being North American culture that idealizes, you know, the, the blonde stereotype. Nobody uh, idolizes the okay, blonde I, stereotype. Nobody. I, I, I will agree with you somewhat in the uh, the set. It was kind of busy, and those blocks being moved around. Luckily, the, the chorus in particular, they're very uh, aware of their bodies since they are they mostly come from dance backgrounds. Um, and I, and I, I would say this it did the show did not have a rel uh, a narrative structure. Normally, that's very much my thing. I I'm all about narrative in a show, and this had one, but it was a little convoluted because. There was uh, interludes where the actors were speaking directly to the audience and addressing various aspects of uh, mixed-race mixed upbringing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, although not perfect, but I enjoyed the show. And uh, the audience that I was with enjoyed it very much. So I think you might have been in the minority here. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm in a minority of one, and I count. All right. So that has been Mixie and the Halfbreeds. And finally today, we'll be discussing... Punk Rock. So, Lynn, tell us a little bit about Punk Rock and your thoughts. Punk Rock was written by British Wunderkind prolific playwright Stephen, uh, Simon Stevens, and it's about a group of students in a high school. It's um, uh, a grammar school, and they've paid. So it's private grammar school in a way. They're all intellectual. They're all privileged in a way, and they are they are studying for their final exams. And you get the dynamic of this being about bullying. That one of them is a bully who bellows everything. One is a put upon uh, student who seems to cower and uh, uh, just bend over with a blows the the verbal abuse. But he has a he, he he has a speech later in the play that is astonishing. And you have different dynamics. You have the new kid and the, the new girl in the school and how she maneuvers this new situation. And then you've got various uh, young men in this class who are trying to vie for her affections. So it, it gives you a kind of look at um, uh, maybe society in Britain. This takes place in Stockport, which is a part of the greater Manchester area. And this factors, this place factors very well in a few of um, uh, uh, Simon Stevens' plays in that it's a place that everybody hates and wants to leave. So it's this oppressive place that they want to leave. So that's that, that's that. I just thought it was terrific. It was directed by Gregory Prest. He established the, the relationships really, really well. There are no surprises. You know, when we find out somebody is dating somebody else, uh, Gregory Prest has established that subtle piece of business in which a young man notices a woman and you're seeing that he's interested. And later on, we find out that he's very interested, and so I thought the acting was was terrific. Um, the, it's a cohesive group of, of young actors. Uh, too many to name. They were all interesting and really well well cast. 
in their various parts. I thought it was a bracing production. There is a, there's a violence at the end of it that made me flinch. I never flinch. And this was astonishing in the, in this grip, in its a dra- a drama, in its, uh, uh, Gripping you, I ha- I thought that was a terrific piece of theater. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a home run hit for the Helen Company. Uh, this is a group of actors who, for the most part, for uh, have been working together for a number of years, and uh, I'm really glad they did this show now because uh, they're they're uh, they were uh, they were believable as high school students, and in a couple of years that may not be the case. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, yeah, and uh, right off the bat, they are not speaking with a British accent, but and this is in the program, there is a note direct from the playwright saying he would like nothing more than for them to use their own accents. So despite the fact that a lot of the cadence of the show is very British and many of the references, the location references are British, they're speaking mm-hmm. their own accents, and that shouldn't that is not off-putting at all. And yeah, the performances, oh, they're, they're great. Yeah, Gregory got a really great performance from this company. It's, it's just very well designed and staged. It's very simple staging. Uh, the play is ripping. Oh, thankfully, we haven't ruined anything but this enemy because, oh, it's, it's, it's a gut punch. And mm-hmm. I, after watching this, I hope people go see it. It's selling out. It's only running to the end of the, the week. And uh, I'm so much looking forward, or I was already looking forward to, but the next production they're doing, The Wolves, oh, after this, it's, uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. I've seen The oh, Wolves yeah. in New York. It was astonishing. It was astonishing. Okay. And you only know these women. It's a, The Wolves is a soccer team, and each... Yeah character is known by the number that they play so you, you know you've got yeah. to remember that number seven is a smarmy girl who's a big of a bully etc it, it's fascinating i can hardly wait and bravo to them for getting the rights to this great so that is punk rock thank you so much ladies and gentlemen for joining us on our first season uh, we'll be taking a bit of a hiatus until our schedules clear up a bit uh, in the meantime um lynn steve are there any plays you're really looking forward to coming up this summer Oh, geez. Uh, well, I, I'm going to be away for a while. I'm still away for a while. We're recording, recording this with me out of town, so I'm not back until the summer. Uh, uh, there is a re, uh, remount of Mouthpiece that opens, I believe, uh, this weekend. Uh, yes. So if you haven't seen that play before, absolutely run down and see that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to miss a lot of shows, so, although I will yeah. be back in May, and uh, I'm really excited to get back into And Lynn? You're going to be around, so what have you got coming up that you're... Uh, oh, God. Oh, the Riser Project. There's still a couple of Riser Project I'm, shows. I'm really, up, I'm really excited. Um, I'm going tonight to Category E at the, Ooh, um, at, the, at the coal mine. I'm so intrigued by Fun Home that's going to be opening uh, soon, which is a... Um, a co-pro for from the uh, what is it the, the new Canadian music company. I'm sorry, I should know this, uh, but it's opening. Uh, it's going to be part of the off Mervish season, and it's opening on the 17th of April. I'm interested mm. in in Mikva, which is the new show that's opening at the Harold Green Jewish Center Jewish Theater, and there's all there are all sorts of stuff 
that that is opening prairie nurse is going to be opening in uh, the end of april at factory oh, yeah. uh Bully, uh, uh, Buddies and Bad Time is doing uh, Lulu versus number seven, I believe. So that that plays on oh, yeah, the, the Lulu theme. So there there are all sorts of things that are coming up before. You know, um, uh, Shakespeare Bashed is doing Measure for Measure just for a week. I'm really looking forward to that because that's a wonderful company. So there's all sorts of stuff happening before we even get to Stratford and Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and eventually fringe. It's gonna be. It's right around the corner, really. That's true. <laughs> May, June, July. Bam. Awesome. And with that, we will bid you good night. So thanks again for listening. You can find Lynn's reviews at theslotkinletter.com. You can find Steve at Gracing the Stage, um, and uh, you can find me at McGeeTD and at whatthappened.com. So thank you so much again for joining us, and we'll see you at the theater. Good night.